0: Spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans, for the fans. What's
1: good, Cajun Nation? Welcome back to a brand new year of Ragin' Review. Matt Miguez joined by Jerry A and man about town Josh Jagno Man, it's already 2022. Absolutely crazy how quickly the past, you know, 2 years have have really flown by. Um but man, 2022 is going to be a big year for the three of us. Uh Jerry's having a child in like 4 days. So, congrats to Jerry and Kayla on that. Uh, y- your boy here is graduating college. Yikes. And getting married. Yikes. Just kidding. That'll be fun. And Josh, Josh is just going to keep doing his thing. He's just going to well, keep mostly- doing the damn thing
2: hopefully adding two more businesses to the fold. That's the goal in 2022. Hell so yeah. and congratulations to you boys for growing up a little bit next year or this year coming. And I can't wait to growing, see it unfold. Growing up a little bit. Hey,
3: appreciate it. Fatherhood getting ready for fatherhood. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm don't really, I think I don't really know what to expect, but I, I do know that most people I know who have kids, Josh, like yourself, uh, People always tell me the same thing, or parents always tell me the same thing. You really can prepare as much as you can, but you really don't understand until they're born. So I've kind of gone in with that mindset, uh, and, and I'm really looking forward to to meeting meeting our little girl. Yeah, should you, be a lot of fun.
1: You're never going to be able to prepare
2: yourself, but uh, good good luck, bud. Good luck. Thank you. No, it's it's true. And just real quick, you wake up on the day that she's going to be born, and you're one person, and then she's here, and you're a different person. And that's it. You can prepare all you want. You can do all the uh, the safeguarding. You can get the the, the baby seat um, inspected and all that stuff. And it, it, it does not prepare you for what's about to happen. But it's an exciting time. So enjoy it, Jerry. Appreciate it.
0: 2022
1: is going to be a big year for Region Review as well. We've got a lot of fun things, you know, coming together for you guys. Um, but we'll start today's episode... Kind of as a thank you, um, the Twitter space that we hosted on Monday night was absolutely wild. Um, we put together kind of an event session for, for Cajun Nation because of everything that's happened over the last couple of days with, with the football program. And at one point, we had 700 people in that Twitter space, which was absolutely unreal. Um, obviously, a good chunk of that was, was Florida fans uh, wanting to understand why we were so upset. Uh, I still don't think they get it, but you know that is what it is at this point. Um, shout out to some former and current Cajuns that were in there, Percy Butler, uh, Brandon Bishop, Jordan Quibido, um I saw Ken Marks in there at one point, Johnny Lumpkin, and uh, our guy in the NFL, Robert Hunt. Jumped in, uh, hung out for a little while, shot him a, a quick DM on Twitter, and he responded. So, so shout out to that guy. Um, hopefully, we'll get him on the pod here in the next couple of months as as the Dolphins enter their their off season. But you know, guys, I, I kind of just want to get—I don't want to say closing thoughts, but essentially closing thoughts because you know we need to we need to begin to put this whole mishap you know, in the rear view, but, um, you know, what, what's going through your minds, you know, 72 hours removed from, you know, just the, the latest news coming out of Billy Napier's camp at Florida.
3: Yeah. I, um, the other night, yeah. Shout out to everybody who participated in the Twitter space Uh, I I didn't really say much I was more, uh, even though I was the co-host I I tended to be a little more on the admin side Allowing people to speak giving, um, Trying to remove the trolls uh, Making sure everything kind of ran smoothly Which for the most part it did Matt, you did a fantastic job hosting And my, and and
1: my outburst, but you know,
3: Hey, look, no, that's good, but that kept everything flowing. And so look the open conversations are always fun. We've been doing a lot more Twitter spaces lately to give fans interactive input, um, you know, more of a, on a live vibe. You know, I, I, I'm torn. And I said it the other night, I'll say it again. I'm torn. Um, I'm, I'm, I understand the business. I get the fact, look, Billy took a job at Florida He's getting paid lots of money and he's got expectations he needs to reach, whether it's through the Florida administration, the Florida history, the fan base. He's got to win. He's got to win now. Right. You know, he's not no longer playing South Alabama, Arkansas State and Texas State every year. He's playing Georgia, Tennessee and LSU. So I understand the, 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 the expectations. I understand the, the, the standard that the Florida Gators have, they win national championships. That's their expectation. And Billy was hired to win national championships and bring one to Gainesville. Um, so I understand that, you know, a lot of Florida fans were saying it's a business. It is a business, right? And sometimes you, you have to do what you got to do because again, man's getting paid $7 million to, to reach that expectation. So I respect that. I get it. And I'm going to use a Mac quote. however, however, In this particular situation, I think whenever I think what I want fans to understand, and this is something that's very strong in our in our culture here, not as raging Cajuns, but as Cajuns. Your word is everything. And I I think there's a bunch of Cajun fans that feel that as much And look, Billy's a good guy. He's not a bad person. We don't you know, we don't he's not he's he's not this horrible guy. Billy's got to do what he's got to do at the same time. I think where Cajun fans or some Cajun fans feel a little, I guess betrayed is that some people feel Billy might've kind of gone against the grain of what he believes in and gone against his word this one time. Now that doesn't mean he's done it consistently, but it threw us off a little bit. It's thrown us off a little bit with that. And I think in this particular case, you know, when you, when you say in the beginning that I'm going to allow now before, just a disclaimer, this is hearsay, but we've heard through a few reliable sources that whenever Billy was one of the guys in the meeting room that was recommending Mike Desimo as our head coach, one of the stipulations was, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be business as usual. I'm gonna take a few guys with me. You, take, you handle the rest. Do what you gotta do. Good luck to you, Mike. Take over. Here's the torch. I'm passing you the torch. I think when Billy arrived in Florida, and I'm glad some Florida fans brought this up, some reliable Florida fans brought this up, Billy Napier took over a situation where he was basically promised prime rib and Dan Mullen raided the cupboard so bad that he was, that Billy was served roast beef when he got to Gainesville. And I think because of that, he had to improv. He had to improvise. He had to say, okay, look, based on the situation that I was told and based on the, the current situation of the Florida football program, this is a lot worse than I expected. And so what happened was He had to go to plan, not plan A, not plan B, not plan C, not plan D, but probably plan E and go, look, I got to, I got to take some more guys from Louisiana to correct this ship that I'm more comfortable with, where I kind of pull back the reins a little bit. I just wish we Mike would have been given a heads up. And I understand it's a business. I understand all of that. I look, we get it. We're, we're a G5 school, but we get it. All right. We're 45 minutes down the road from a P5 school. We've Billy ran our program like a P5. So let's get that out the way of, well, you don't understand. This is how it is. No, we get it. All I was, the only thing missing here from my point of view is I just wish there was at least a courtesy call or at least a notice from the beginning of, Hey, in case ABCD don't work. I might have to come take some more guys in because I really do think coach Des was blind blindsided by this. I mean, if there's, you know, there's speculations that they talked and, you know, that's why I think Mike tweeted that out because he felt blindsided and I understand, again, I'll go back to it. It's a business, but Billy Napier prides himself as being a man of his word. He's a man, a man of character and he is all those things. I'm not taking that away from him. But in this particular situation, I understand that desperate times call for desperate measures, where you have to build your staff because of the expectations at Florida. But I just wish it goes back to our Cajun culture. Just, just be honest. Just tell Mike from the beginning. I'm, I'm. This is what's going on. And instead of just raiding our staff, you know, and us being thrown off about it, that's the only thing I think was missing from all this. I just wish, personally, I just wish Billy would have just said something up front. And if that would have been the case. I don't think any of this would have happened. Mike could have been upset. Coach Des could have been mad about it, but look, that's the business. It is what it is. But because there was a miscommunication there, I think that got us to this point. And I just hope that, you know, and I, I do believe in coach Des, we're going to talk about the coaching hires. I do hope that that can, that can, you know, um, fix some things and and we can move forward and get ready for spring football because we do have a decent staff coming in. We do have some names that I think will continue the culture, will continue the tradition of what we what was started here. So I I believe in that, but I just think it was a miscommunication, you know, no ill will towards, towards coach Napier. I mean, he's got a job to do in Florida. I just wish it would have been handled a little bit differently in that regard. And um, I kind of ran it a little bit. I didn't really get to say much in the space, but I figured I'd say it now, but that's just my two cents. So that's just what, what I think about all of it
2: this is why it's good that Jerry goes first because, you know, he kind of lays the soft foundation. He does all the disclaimers and everything. Um, are we so naive to believe that good people don't do bad things? You know, the, the, the thing that bothers me the most about people still defending what he did is that it is cognitive dissonance. We don't have no, none of us were sitting in the room, obviously. Um, but we all Mike Desermo is one of us. We all know the same people we have since he was a a college kid here, high school kid uh, in in Acadiana. We know plenty of people that would have a little bit more knowledge than the message boards and the the official outlets around here. Okay, so we wouldn't come on here and say things without feeling pretty good about the, the, the source or the knowledge that we have. Okay. I mean, Jerry kind of alluded to it. Billy Napier walked into a situation and he panicked because what he thought he was walking into did not happen. It did not, you know, you want to talk about being sold a dream. I think Billy was sold a dream too. Uh, But there's been a series of very bad decisions that Billy Napier has made that has hurt our program. And we've said this a million times. The mission that we set out was to build the best program, the best fan base. That's what Raging Review exists for. Billy Napier is hurting our program with his um, desperate moves, I guess we'll call it that. Uh, Mike is not the type of guy to send out a message like that. He's not the type of guy to have people rally around him unless it was warranted. I think Mike felt, Mike felt slighted. I think Mike felt, and I'll say the word lied. I, th- I, think, I think he felt lied to. I think that there's a- enough people around the complex that are extremely upset and disappointed in Billy Napier, so uh, uh, or, or there's enough of them that tell me what I need to know. And from everything we can gather, feels like maybe he had a plan. Four of those plans didn't work out. He came back and fell back on the guys that he trusted and, and he knew. Uh, for example, Coach Stapleton was supposed to coach the bowl game. Coach Stapleton did not coach the bowl game, and a couple of days later, he shows up on Florida Twitter. Uh, that I thought that that was, I thought that was a, a, a yellow light. I thought, Oh man, that, that doesn't seem very good. That, that, that's that on the up and up. Uh, I think when you, when, and look, you can say it's a business and all that stuff. Okay. It's not illegal to leave somebody on the side of the road when they need it, but it's pretty shitty. Okay. We get caught up in these semantics of, is it illegal? Where's the rule? What exactly did he do wrong? Well, when you build yourself as a man of character and a man whose word matters, that's, that's a false premise. If you're going to turn around and stab people in the back because you're desperate, being desperate doesn't give you the justification to go against uh, the person that you told us you were that's shitty. So you guys can, I mean, and when I say you guys, I'm not talking about Jerry and Matt. I'm talking about the people still defending this stuff. I mean, we, you know, I love Jay. But what Jay said on the board the other day was completely, I thought it was totally unnecessary. What we, we don't know. We weren't in the meetings. Of course, we weren't in the meetings. But we're not stupid either. I mean, look at the situational evidence. Circumstantial evidence convicts people in this country of crimes every single day. Okay? You can't always be in the room. But we have plenty of people that we trust that tell us what we need to know. And they wouldn't tell us, uh, you know, no, like we say this all the time. One thing that's great about having the pod and, and having some cloud is, is, you know, people talk to us because they want to get the message out there and they can't go to Buckley and they can't go to Doc and they can't go to Maggard. They can't, they can't go to these official outlets, but they want these messages out. It's exactly what, Matt, uh, what Mike did on, on Twitter. I think he wanted that message out to the fan base, to the players, to the supporters and to the rest of his coaching staff, who, by the way, also got screwed over with some of these decisions. I mean, Billy took 20 plus people, support staff, analysts, coaching staff. I mean, that's not a small group. Like he said in the presser, when he got to Florida, that's not a small group. That's 75% of the damn coaching staff. So that right there is proof that he didn't exactly do what he said he was going to do. So that's a small public example. But uh, I think that people want to get messages out and they use the outlets that are available to them. And, you know, sometimes we're, we're the friends in low places type of outlet that people use. And that's fine because what our job is to do is to rally the fan base. Our job is to cultivate the fan base. That is our mission, right? I, the whole thing with the Florida fans, that was fun and everything. And I supported Billy. I was one of the most vocal that supported Billy going to Florida because I understood the value in having a good relationship and sending him off. The the end goal was to show other coaches that, hey, you can be successful at Louisiana and we're not going to crush you on the way out. Well, that was predicated on Billy leaving us in good shape, allowing us to be set up for success going forward, you know, kind of leaving a legacy. But when you turn around and set it on fire on the way out, it's it changes things, man. You know, you can think somebody's a good person all you want. If you find out they beat up their wife, you have a little bit of a different idea of them. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not accusing Billy of beating his wife, but just making an analogy, right? So no, man, I, I think that there's a whole lot that went on that maybe, and I don't say the layperson to say that we we know so much, but people that are not as connected or tied or take this as seriously as we do, there's a lot going on that you know it's a business, you know, coaching, college coaching. There's no, there's no integrity in college coaching. Okay, well then, don't build yourself as a an, an a guy that's that believes in integrity and don't tell me all about how you're raising men to be men when you're turning around and teaching them how to cheat, or you turn them around, turn around and teaching them how to just leave their friends in the dust. Th- those two messages are not congruent. Okay. Not the same thing. They're actually the antithesis of each other. Uh, but we'll go more into that. I just wanted to say that because the message needs to continue to spread. Uh, Matt made a comment about the space. I thought the space was productive for the most part outside of a couple of florida trolls but what i found very interesting in that space was all of the support staff that left us that that really wanted to hear what we had to say you know i'm not going to say names but they know who they are they were in that space listening to what we had to say about billy and the entire uh you know mass exodus of the the staff you know they're, they're comfortable in gainesville but they were still listening in so i thought that was very interesting and and yeah yeah I think Billy's burned some bridges. Uh, He certainly has changed my opinion of him with these, these last decisions that he's made. And I know that he was paid a lot of money. I I know, I know he was paid a lot of money to go do a job at Florida, but that doesn't, that doesn't make me feel better about what he's done to our program and rated our cupboard. You know, we've got players in the portal that were in the portal less than 24 hours. And all of a sudden, you know, they're Gators. I mean, come on, it's still illegal to recruit players from another Uh, from another school when they're under scholarship. That's been, that's been an NCAA uh, NCAA violation since, you know, uh, for a hundred years. Okay. Is you can muddy the waters all you want. We know what happened here and it's not good and it looks bad. And I think it's going to follow them around. The coaching fraternity is a small fraternity and there's already people making comments and, and we won't get into that too much, but I think that there's a certain way you have to do things If you say you're going to do something and you bill yourself as a guy of integrity, you need to follow through on your word. doesn't matter if you're desperate or not. doesn't matter if you're desperate or not. And this is the last thing I'll say before I turn it back over to Matt. This whole idea that Billy Napier is owed something from Lafayette and the people of this this fan base is ludicrous. Billy Napier was as successful as he was directly because of Brian Maggard and the tools that he was afforded here at this university and the commitment to winning and the commitment to the, by the fan base and the donors. There wasn't, they weren't mutually exclusive. Okay. Billy Napier was absolutely successful here because of the tools he was given. Now, yes, Billy's a, a very smart coach. He knows how to build a program. Absolutely not taking any of that away from him. And of course we're happy for what he did, but he was compensated handsomely. He was given the support staff. He was given every dime he asked for. That's important too. Okay. So this idea that Billy Napier is owed anything. No, no, that's not how this works. Remember it's a business.
1: So I won't, I won't spend too much time because you guys pretty much said everything that, that I wanted to say. Um, You know, one, one thing I, one thing I will touch on is, you know, people keep talking about that press conference where he said he was going to take a small group of people. Yes, that is what he said. But his exact words were, I'm taking a small contingency of people to Gainesville for now. Let Louisiana get through the bowl game, get through the early signing period, and then we will reevaluate.
2: And maybe so. But that tells me that he was leaving himself an out so that he could well, go maybe, back and do that. Maybe and not be on the record for, for quote unquote lying. But we all know at this point that there was an agreement between the two friends, by the way, supposed to be friends, Mike Desermo and Billy Napier. And by the way, all the staff that he hired and left in Lafayette, there was a gentleman's agreement. You can laugh at that all you want people out there that still exists today. And when you trust a guy and you're the right hand man of a guy and you're the guy that Billy told the boss, hey, this guy is ready. Okay. There is between men, there's still supposed to be mutual respect. And that was breached, no matter how you want to look at it.
1: I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll agree to, to disagree on that because I, I'm the type of person where I wasn't in the room. Um, I don't know what happened. And to be honest, it, it it really sounds like a game of telephone. Stories get misconstrued
2: the more people get their hands in it. I'm glad you made the comment about telephone because that's another thing is that Billy and, and Dez did have the phone call and it was not pretty. So that happened. Jerry will nod his head. We know that happened. Another thing is that how hard would it have been, Matt, for Billy to call him up and say, hey, oh. this thing right here is a dumpster fire, way more than I thought. I'm coming back to Lafayette and I gotta take a couple more guys. But he did not. And, and, he did and not. I, and and he, he basically came in behind behind Mike's back when he's trying to prepare for a bowl game and scooped up the rest of his analysts. And that's, that's look again, I understand it's a business. I'm tired. of I'm sick and freaking tired of hearing it's a business. We know that. I'm not an idiot just because I follow a G five program. The fact of the matter is you can still do business in an ethical way.
1: No. And, and I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not in any way, you know, saying Billy's a saint. I mean, the, the actions that he has taken the last couple of weeks are pretty messed up. They are. Um, but again, I, I'm I'm not one to speculate. I don't like speculating. I think speculation gets you in a whole lot of trouble. Um and I don't I, I wasn't in that room. I wasn't in that phone call. I don't know what was talked about. And again, the more people get told the story, the more time the more times the story gets passed around, the more time important details get left out.
3: Well, I, you know, regardless of whether or not there was a phone call, you know, we weren't there. Right. And I know, you know, regardless of what we're hearing through third parties and who said this, who said that the reality is we know our coach, our head coach, Mike Desimo. We know him as a you want to talk about a guy who you have to really do a lot to cross him, to upset him, to set to, to tweet something out like he did the other day about integrity. I mean, and that's not barely he's,
2: use social media ever. I mean, yeah, Jerry like, and I grew up around Mike. Yeah. Know I mean, him, we know him enough to know that was not on an accident. And the, the people that think that this is about the players leaving its So it's ridiculous. That was directly for
3: Billy directly. Well, and, and another thing is too. like, I think when you really look at it from a broader perspective, we get, look, man, this is, this is new to us. We understand you lose coaches, you lose staff members, but, but, and I'm just going to throw this out there. If there was a conversation of, recommending Mike as a head coach and kind of using that business as usual rhetoric to get Mike the job. That means that after the bowl game, what if Mike and his staff were preparing for 2022 with the assumption that 75% of his staff wasn't going to be rated. Then all of a sudden you're preparing based on what you're told, Hey man, get, get the spring ready, get ready for January workouts, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden now you've lost <laughs> most of your staff I mean, yeah, we have as fans and I, I, I we can, keep going back. to It's a business as fans. We have a right to be upset about that. Like when fans say, well, I don't know why you're mad. Well, yeah, because most of our staff got raided. Yeah. We have a right to be upset about that. You know, I, I mean, regardless, if I own, you know, if, if, if I own a restaurant and I have a co-owner of a restaurant and the co-owner says, you know what? I want to open up my own restaurant and goes opening up his, his own restaurant and says, I'm only going to take, one cook with me. I'm going to take maybe a manager, a shift manager with me, and that's going to be it. And then two or three weeks later, 90% of my restaurant staff is gone. I mean, yeah, it's a business, but I'm still going to be a little upset about it. All I'm saying is, hey, let us vent a little bit, man. It's a little frustrating. Well, I mean, that, regardless. That, but
2: also, this, Jerry, and nobody's talking about this. Mike already had an uphill climb. He knew that. That was with a staff that was intact. Now he's got to go out and hire support, skeleton, analysts, on-field coaches. I mean, we already were facing a little bit of a deficit when we're losing juniors to the NFL, when people are graduating, when people are transferring. We were already, we were already looking at a hole on the roster. Now, instead of spending his time recruiting, which is what he does really well, he's got to go hire people. And that could take months. I mean, people, listen, people say that Mike doesn't have a lot of connections outside of Louisiana and to a certain degree, that's true. But Mike's been going to the national coaches convention for five or six years now. The guy's got connections. He he's going to find, he he, he's going to find very qualified coaches and we'll talk about that next, but there's still, you left a gigantic hole in the staff, not to mention, uh, uh, you know, the creative department for God's sake. And then, We're not going to be able to to have our head coach focusing on recruiting in the most crucial part of recruiting because he's got to go recruit coaches. So this thing has so many tentacles, and there's a reason why Mike, Mike is upset. He was told something that did not come to fruition. It was not followed through on. We know it. And you said, if this happened, I'll say it. I'll go. I don't care. It happens. This is exactly what happened. All right. Um,
1: again, you know, I, I, I'm not one for speculation. You two can have your opinion. Um, I mean, I, again, I'll, I'll Matt's close. just trying to get a job in Gainesville. That's all I I'll mean. close with this before I move on. Um, you, you know, I, I don't think Billy Napier is a saint. Again, I think some of the things that he has done recently are, are pretty messed up. But at the end of the day, you know, It is what it is. Mike is our head coach. He's going to hire a great coaching staff. He's going to recruit great players, and we're going to go win football games.
3: I want to say that too. I think you know we put this. We've put this. We're starting to put this behind us. It is what it is. Whatever happened happened. Time to move on. Mike's the coach. Mike is our head coach. He's he's a he's a. He's a son of of Louisiana. He's, he's, he's pure, vermilion and white, and he's going to lead us. And I think regardless of the staff and whatnot, he's going to do what's best for this program. Um, you know, we talked about the early signing period a few weeks ago. I thought he did a really good job maintaining that for the most part. And, you know, we talk about the transfer portal players leaving and stuff. And I know it's happening across the country, but that is an uphill climb that most, pretty much all G5 schools will have to face. But I trust that Mike's going to get it done. I really do. I know there's a lot of people that doubt it. But I, and there's, there's mo- more people have faith in Mike. There's no question, but there's some people that doubt it a little bit. I have full faith in Mike Desimo. I think he knows what he needs to do. And um, we're going to talk about the staff in a little while. He's got a staff coming in that is pretty well experienced and they understand the culture here. They understand the expectations and we have the resources to win. So look, from here on out, coach Mike Desimo is, is, is leading the charge and looking forward to seeing what he can do and continuing this trend of uh, success with rage education football really quick. Agree.
2: Yeah. I want to, I want to put the, 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 finishing touches on this. Mike Desermo bleeds Vermillion and white. Billy Napier does not. Am I not uh, all of a sudden, because of all this, am I not grateful for Billy? Of course I am. Come on. But Mike's a coach. I'm thrilled that he's the coach. I'm thrilled by the way he's handled all this. And, and, and look here, going forward, Billy Napier is, is he's dead to me. He's an ex-girlfriend. I don't care. Mike's a guy. We got a ton of respect and a ton of confidence in Mike. So I just want to say that. And the book on Billy's done for me. That's I'm out.
1: Moving on. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the coaching staff. Actually, no, before we do that, um, quick shout out and congratulations to both Max Mitchell and Percy Butler, uh, two guys that are, are bound to be in the NFL. Uh, they've both been invited to the NFL scouting combine in in a few months in Indianapolis. So congratulations to those two guys. Um, That's a big accomplishment, a big achievement, and a huge opportunity to go show what they can do in front of a lot of NFL scouts. So uh, congratulations to those guys. Go be great and keep the reputation of Cajuns playing on Sundays going. Um, Because we've got a lot of them, you know, while we're, while we're on the topic of Cajuns and the pros, man, Elijah Mitchell did it again. He did it again. He has set the 49ers franchise record for rushing yards in a season by a rookie at 878. Um, he had 119 yards this past Sunday against the Texans. And it, it, it's crazy. You know, he's, he's 122 yards away from 1,000 yards in his rookie season with one game to go. So 122 yards in a game, I mean, that's reachable. Um, but here, here's the crazy thing, man. Can you imagine if he, if he rushes for a 1,000 yards
2: while missing six games of the season? Dude, it's wild. And he's, he's averaging almost five yards a carry. Imagine, a imagine
1: what he would have done with a full healthy season.
2: For sure. Yeah, and I like the way, you know, after they interviewed him, I like the way the teammates uh, responded to him. That was really cool. Yeah, R- Raheem Mostert giving him a bear hug in the middle of his interview. That was pretty yeah. cool. That was pretty cool. Super cool. Um, hey, also, uh, Ringo had a hell of a game yeah, for the Saints. He did. I did. Saw so, uh, Jamarcus Bradley get some reps on special teams for the Browns. We, we got some guys out there, balling. him. Um, Jaquette, where did he? He got, he got picked uh, the Jags,
1: Jacksonville. Jacksonville oh did he okay yeah, cool yeah, I didn't know that he's in Jacksonville um but no another shout out to uh to Shane Vallow who who made the trip out to California and went spend the week with Eli and went to the game on Sunday pretty cool uh support system right there but well you know man let's let's get into the coaching staff that the Dez has has slowly started to put together um now of course nothing that we're about to talk about has been confirmed by the university and has not been announced by the university that these guys are on staff. But some notable names in sports journalism have said that it's all just about done. Um, so we feel confident enough to to tell the listeners that that these guys are going to be on our coaching staff. Um, and I'm going to start with George Munoz. Um This is a guy that has experience in Louisiana, a lot of it. Um, he started out, um, he played, he graduated from Bethany college in 1998, played one year in the arena football league as a quarterback. And then he began his coaching career at Bethany in 98 and then went to Southeast Missouri, Anderson college and Charleston Southern. And then spent three years at Eastern Illinois as their co-offensive coordinator and then offensive coordinator. Uh, during his time with EIU, they were ranked in the top 25 of the FCS each year and were and advanced to the FCS playoffs in each year. Um, then came to Louisiana Lafayette. Well, now it's Louisiana, but then it was Louisiana Lafayette. Spent 10 seasons on U.L.'s staff including passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach, wide receivers coach, and offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Uh, Coached guys like Jamal Robinson, Javon Lawson. uh, You know, just huge resume. Uh, Spent a lot of time here at UL. And then spent some time on the other side of the basin at LSU. And that's probably his most notable um, performance being the quarterback coach to Joe Burrow as well as helping with wide receivers, Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson and running back Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Um, And then he is now, well, most recently, should I say he was on the Baylor football staff as passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach under Dave Aranda. He was there for two seasons and now he will join the Cajuns as a tight ends coach and associate head coach so guys what are your thoughts on on George Munoz coming back to to Lafayette to help desk coach the occasions
2: well also remember that he coached under Matt Rule too an NFL coach now but uh, really successful in college so that's good uh, look you got to remember the, this guy was putting together the passing games for one of the best college football teams of all time and he is now going to be uh, for us just I mean he's going to give input on the passing game. So think about having a luxury like that, a guy that put together those passing games, a, a guy that has all this experience, all these connections, when you want to talk about hiring assistants and uh, being able to uh, carry on relationships, George Munoz is so important. And I think he's probably one of our key hires. You know, I heard a lot of people say, well, you know, Mike is bringing back some old guys. We're USLing this. Okay. The last thing we're doing is USLing this. this. Uh, Munoz has been everywhere. He has, I mean, look at the accomplishments, man. You said it national champion coach under NFL coaches. Uh, this is important. This is an important hire from a relationship standpoint and Mike trusts him. You know, we talk about how, you know, when coaches move on or they take new jobs, they, they find guys that they trust and they bring them on staff. This is absolutely part of the, the, uh, the, uh, the equation with, uh, with George.
3: You know, when Joe Burrow acknowledges you at your Heisman acceptance speech saying that you played a big part in helping me win the Heisman trophy, that merits something. Um, And I've heard that not from Joe Burrow. I've heard that from a a few former UL quarterbacks who I'm I was I'm friends with. And, you know, they always said that about about Coach Munoz. You know, a lot of credit goes to Coach Munoz on the things that you learn, whether it's schematics, whether it's uh, fundamentals as a quarterback. You know, George Munoz brings a lot of football knowledge and the fact that he coached both at LSU and Baylor during the time from when he was last here, he just got four a good four years of really, really valuable experience. If you looked at, if you watched an LSU game and you see Coach O talking to somebody every time LSU had the ball, it was usually Munoz. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of respect from a coaching standpoint that I have for Coach Munoz. Uh, his experience is, is, is very impressive. He's coached with the best of them. Um, you know, he's coming back to Louisiana with, with a lot of knowledge and 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 an experience that I think will be very beneficial to, you know um, to our staff, to our players, especially with the fact that we're replacing a quarterback. We have a new quarterback coming in next year. We don't know who it's going to be. We don't know, you know, the competition's going to be, I'm sure going to be a lot of fun in the spring and in the early fall but to have someone like George Munoz be in the middle of that is going to help us decide, you know, who, who, who's going to lead us behind center. That's huge. And of course, with the help of Mike Desimo um, working with him. And I think, I think coach Munoz is also a confidant because remember coach Munoz's first year at Louisiana in 2008 was Mike's senior year at quarterback. So they've not only worked together as coaches, but he coached Mike. So I think that's also an added level of, 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 as a confidant rather than a coach. And I think that's going to be huge considering the fact that our offense has been pretty good over the last few years. And uh, coach Minos can add his experience as well as him coming back here um, to this, to this offense. And, and it's hey, going to be a lot of fun.
2: Jerry, if I was, if I remember this right, isn't 2008 the year we finished sixth in the nation in rushing.
3: Yeah, that was where we had uh Mike at quarterback and Terrell Finroy at running back that dual and threat was, and Cherry. And Jason Chariot, wide receiver, yep. Derek Smith, the yep. wide receiver. Yep. I mean, that that offense was fun to watch. And George too bad, Minos. Too bad a, the
1: defense gave up 60 a game.
3: Yeah, well. well and that Minos, offensive
2: line was good, too.
3: Yeah, George Minos played a huge role that year. Um, and again, very smart guy, very good coach. And, and he's familiar with this area. He, he's been here before. You know, um, he knows the area well. So I'm very excited that Coach Minos is back and. He's a a perfect fit for this staff.
1: Another guy that I'm thrilled about coming back to Louisiana is a former Cajuns player and a former Cajuns coach, and that is Lamar Morgan. Uh, He's going to return to be Mike's defensive coordinator. Um, Lamar was a four-year letter winner and starter at safety for the Cajuns uh, 2003 and then 05 to 07. Uh, Two-time team captain as well. He played in 40 career games, finished with 111 tackles, four interceptions, and nine pass breakups. Um, As a senior, finished with 55 tackles, including a career-high 14 against Texas A&M. 55 tackles in a season as a safety. Pretty impressive. Um, After graduation, he began his coaching career as a graduate assistant at Vandy from 2012 to 2013, Uh, He helped the Commodores to a top 23 nationally ranked defense that propelled to -to back-to-back nine and four seasons. So that was under James Franklin um, at at that time. And then from Vandy, he went on to Western Carolina, served two years as the defensive backs coach at Western Carolina. And he mentored Trey Morgan, who I believe ended up in the NFL. Uh, But he led the league with six picks. And then he spent... After Western Carolina, he went to Louisiana Monroe for two years, defensive backs coach. And then after Monroe, he ended up at Houston, where he helped Gleason Spreewell end up in the NFL. Um, and then he, he spent one season at Houston, and then that's when Billy Napier brought him to Louisiana where he got to work with Michael Jaquette, Eric Darer, A.J. Washington, Kamar Greenhouse. Um, Morgan's secondary actually ranked second nationally in opposing quarterback quarterback rating. Excuse me, I can't talk today. Um, And his group also stood sixth in the country in fewest passing yards per game and 12th nationally in turnover margin. So he spent the last, let's see, February of 2021... So, I mean, he's been at Vandy. He was at Vandy for a year before returning to the Cajuns to be the defensive coordinator. You know, one one question I've heard from a lot of different fans is as much as we like Lamar and, and think he's a good fit for our coaching staff, is he a good fit at defensive coordinator? You guys have any
2: thoughts? For sure. I love the hire. You guys know that I've been talking about Lamar for a while now. Um, So very first thing I'll say is that there was defense was not the problem at Vandy. It hasn't been. uh, It wasn't last year and it wasn't the three years prior. They just couldn't move the football. They didn't have the offensive talent. Uh, But I love the fact that Lamar spent he had a cup of coffee like Mike in the NFL. So he's got NFL connections. Um, I think that Lamar is head coaching material. He's the type of guy that could lead men. He's a good guy. I mean you guys I mean I think, I think Jerry spent a good bit of time around Lamar. I love that he's familiar with the program. I love the fact that he was here when Billy was building the foundation. that you know that is you can't buy that type of experience. Uh, he, I think that Mike's going to really lean on him for that part of it. Um, Lamar's a good coach. I think that I think that players genuinely like the, like him and will play for him. That's a big part of the whole coaching and recruiting uh dynamic. He's a great recruiter. a lot of folks probably don't know this, but the reason we were try we were able to get uh Dubose from La Tech was that he was being recruited by Lamar Morgan and he went to Vandy uh he you know obviously uh, Mr. Dubose couldn't go to Vandy so when he came to Louisiana, he said he told tech, sorry, I'm going to Louisiana because of of Lamar Morgan. So he's already recruited for us. So that's a big thing. The guy's known as a relentless recruiter, great recruiter. He's going to, he's got great connections within the state. He's young and has already been around the coaching uh, uh, footprint from the, from the, from Tennessee to Texas, you know, that's important. Those connections, we talk about them all the time. Very important. I love the hire. I think that Lamar Morgan will be here for a few years and he'll be a head coach somewhere.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I think one thing about Lamar, and, and this is where I think he clicks with Mike, is the fact that he played, well, he and Mike played together for about three, or five, I think three, three years, three seasons. Yeah, they played together for, I think, three or four seasons. And Lamar came to Louisiana when Ricky Bustle was trying to build that foundation, basically when the program was trying to resurrect itself from the basically the dead. And so he understands the foundation laid for the entire program as a whole from the beginning. He went through the trials and tribulations of losing, having some losing seasons, experiencing some defeat while as a player, but also some success in the middle of that as well. So he got the experience of being a player here. So that that's a personal thing with him. Uh, He's been around a little bit. He's coached in the sec and I know it's Vanderbilt, but it's still the sec. You know, he's faced the best of the best, you know, in the, in a division against Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. So he's got that experience coaching under guys like James Franklin goes a long way, um, and then he's coached here as well under Billy Napier to where he understands the culture now. So he's coaching with a guy that he played with in Mike Desimo. He's coaching with a guy in Mike Desimo that is continuing that that winning culture here at Louisiana. So I think all around it's a, it's a great fit. Um, he's a player's coach. He's a really good guy. I've gotten you know I've had the privilege to get to know Lamar pretty well. Great guy. Um, and he's, he's a coach that players will want to play for. Uh, if you've ever watched him last year on the sideline, he's a very passionate coach. He'll let you know when you messed up, but he'll also take you to the side and and try to, you know, uh, teach, teach you. He's one of those teacher type coaches. It's not about yelling at you. It's let me teach you. That's his type of style. So as a defensive coordinator, I think he's smart enough as a coach to be able to call a defense He's been around the defense last year under Patrick Tony, so he's familiar with the scheme. So I, I, I have full faith that he's going to get the job done. And he's, like you said, Josh, he's a hell of a recruiter. So the players, players, players seem to they, they seem to, to to attach to a guy like Lamar Morgan just like they do Mike Desermo. So with that being said, he's going to be able to bring in quality athletes because when he goes into a uh, players home and talks to their parents or talks to their grandparents or aunt and uncle and tell them, you know, I'm going to be able to, to watch your son and I'll coach, I'm going to coach your son. I think, I think family members will be able to, to, to latch to that. He's that type of coach. So looking forward to Lamar being here, like to, well, just like coach Minos, I like to welcome him back to, to UL. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with our defense, because we do have a, a pretty solid defense. He does have his work cut out for him, but I have faith that he'll, he'll get it done.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he's a he's a good fit for Dez's staff, and I think he's going to do big things for us. Another guy that that seems to be coming back home is uh, is Bryant Ross, uh, offensive line coach from Grambling. So his career started. Uh, he spent he had some playing time at West Hills Community College, and then transferred to Alabama A and M. Uh, From 2014 to 2016, he was the run game coordinator and offensive line coach at Central State University, uh, which is a school that I have honestly never heard of. Um, It's a Division II school. Um, While he was there, he took an offensive line unit that was ranked near the bottom of the conference to one of the top pass and run blocking teams in the conference. Uh, They gave up just 11 sacks that year, ranked 36th best in all of Division II football, um, and then in 2017, he got promoted. He became an offensive line graduate assistant on Dan Mullen's Mississippi State staff. Um, he coached a unit that improved from six and seven to nine and four, and he also coached three SEC Linemen of the Week and three NFL draft picks. And that Mississippi State team ended up winning the Gator Bowl over Lamar Jackson and Louisville. And then in 2018, he came to Louisiana and spent three years with the Cajuns. He was an assistant offensive line coach under under Billy Napier. Uh, the 2020 season, four of the five offensive linemen received all Belt honors, and the offensive line was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award all three years while Ross was on staff, and then he left in 2021 20, to become the offensive line coach at Grambling State. Uh, the rumor and you guys might be able to confirm it better than I can, um, is that he will be returning to take the same position here at Louisiana. He will be our offensive line coach for the Cajuns.
2: Jerry, do you remember if Jeff Nord got hired in 2019 or 2020? It was 2020. It was 2020. Because this past past season was Nord's second year. Okay, so he coached a year with with Coach Bryant. Yeah. Correct. Okay, good. So – familiarity is important with a new staff. Is it uh, going to be a, is it going to be a co thing? Well, are they going to co line? That's how Billy did it. Yeah. So I, I think Des, I mean, obviously Des sees some value in it, it in order to, you know, reach out to him right. I, I, from everything that we've heard. He was a great, I mean, the kids loved him. So I don't know a ton about him outside of Louisiana. Maybe, maybe Jerry has some stories, but um, I know that we've had some of the most Outside of the bustle years, it's been the, the best offensive line uh, groups that we've had in my lifetime. So anybody that's going to come back and re, you know, well, I say reinstate, keep that going. You know, we got plenty of talent. They just need to be coached up and coached up and developed. Uh, and, and look, I, I like to hire. I, I like the familiarity. I, I like the fact that the, he was here under Billy and they know how to run that blueprint that we're looking for. I'm all about it.
3: Yeah, you know, he's been here before, just like like once again, just like Minos, just like Morgan, he's been here before and he was here during two or three solid seasons of offensive production here under Billy. So the familiarity is definitely there. And I think him coming in, just like the other two coaches, he'll be able to just pick up from where, where he left off. Um, It's good that Mike's bringing in coaches like this who have sort of been there, done that here already. Um, I, like this, I, I like this hire because you're bringing in a guy who, again, he got some experience at Grambling, even though his time at Grambling was cut short. Still trying to figure out why Grambling got rid of Broderick Fobbs. I, I still don't understand that with the success he had over there. It makes no sense to me. But look, that I don't know. Maybe there's something at Grambling going on we don't know about. But because of that, uh, that brought Brian Ross back to Louisiana, and I'm okay with that. Um, how they're going to handle the offensive line. I'm not sure. Um, You know, Jeff Nord, Bryant Ross, look, two, two heads are better than one. I guess Uh, you can bring that type of knowledge to our offensive line. Look, we we're losing a few key guys on the offensive line this year. So um, you've got two knowledgeable guys that are good at what they do as coaches. Hey, you know what? Like I said, you got two 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 knowledgeable guys that can bring um, that same type of dominance to our offensive line. And look, we've got some depth on the offensive line. I have no worries about that, but experience is a little bit of a concern. You can't just pick up from where you left off when you're replacing what three starters, I think it is this year. So having those two guys on there is going to help a lot. And I look forward to a really good spring, and I look forward to uh, to Coach Ross being on our staff and it's going to be an exciting time for him because again, he's been here. He's done that. He's, he's been in the middle of of some solid offensive production. And I guess you could say he went off to uh, get some experience as the main guy last year, grambling, but he's back here now. And glad to, glad to see him in the Vermilion and white again.
1: Yeah, no question about it. We've got some other guys to talk about a couple of of rumors of of possibilities um, that we'll, we'll let you guys in on. Nothing confirmed yet by anybody on these two guys, but, you know, all bets are off when it comes to coaching staff hires. We'll take a break right here on Rage and Review, and when we come back, we'll we'll give you those other two guys, as well as we'll talk basketball, and we will slowly begin the process of previewing Diamond Sports. Uh, we're almost a month away from, from both baseball and softball getting their seasons underway so we'll, we'll begin that process with you guys uh, don't go anywhere Raging Reviews right back after this
0: Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation, the RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of... Of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software. Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from solution specialist Anna Bourgeois.
3: Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your solution specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about.
0: Contact Anna today at 337- 210-4272 or email Anna at vaultedsecurity.com Schilling Distributing Company Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Ragin' Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Shilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly. and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today.
1: Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Hebert, Josh Jagno. Shout out to little Nate for hooking us up with the vibes guys. Let's, let's finish up the, the coaching staff conversation. And then we've, we've got some, some other things to discuss. Um, and we'll start with Connor neighbors, uh, son of Wes neighbors, who is currently on our coaching staff was our defensive coordinator in the bowl game. Uh, so shout out to, to Wes, uh, Connor's got a pretty good resume. Uh, he's still pretty young; he's only thirty. Um, but he played fullback for LSU for two years, um, and I remember him very well. He was just a bruiser of a of a blocker uh, while he was at LSU. And then he has spent he he spent a little bit of time. I, I like your your analogy. He had a cup of coffee in the NFL, um, and then. He was. He has been an assistant strength and conditioning coach at both Florida Atlantic and LSU, and then this year he's been on the he was on the strength conditioning staff for the Cajuns. Was he? Hey, was he uh,
2: under Kiffin
0: at Florida Atlantic? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, it was under Kiffin at FAU. Went to LSU for a bit under Edo, and he spent 2021 on Louisiana staff as an assistant strength conditioning coach. The rumor that I'm hearing about Connor Neighbors is that he could become our new strength and conditioning coach, which, I mean, I'm for, like I said, the guy's been around the block. He spent time with our program. He knows the ins and outs. Um, and I mean, he grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, played in Baton Rouge. So, I mean, he's got, he's got ties to the Gulf coast, so I'm, I'm sure he can recruit the area. Well, uh, I mean, I don't really know how much recruiting strength conditioning coaches do, but, um, I I think if if that's the move that Mike does wants to make, I, th- I think that's a that's a solid hire.
2: Well, you got to got to remember this too. strength and conditioning coach spends the most times with the, the most time one on one with the players. For so, sure. again, it's got to be one of those hires that you trust. Obviously, he's been in the program. So Mike has a certain level of to familiarity me, with him.
1: To, to me, your strength and conditioning coach is your third most important hire behind your
2: OC and D.C. Yeah, I would, I would put it somewhere in the top three for sure. Uh, Mark hockey. I mean, look, he was everywhere all the time. Uh, Those guys don't even, people don't have a half a clue what those guys do, Uh, but I like it. Uh, I know Jerry's got a little more, a little bit more background on where uh, neighbors has been before this. He actually educated me on a few things. I'm going to let him say his deal, but I like the fact that he's young. I like, I like young strength and conditioning coaches because I think it's important to be able to uh, um, connect with the players and they trust you on a personal level, but be able you know, be likable and be be able to just understand what it's like to be young. I like the fact that he played. I, I like all that stuff. I think all those things are special ingredients to being a good strength and conditioning coach. What I'd like to see Mike do, and this is a little bit of a retread, but I thought Tiger Jones was such an important part of our strength and conditioning uh, preseason and in season. Uh, program. I I think that Tiger I've had multiple players tell me on the side that Tiger Jones was really uh, the the engine behind the the strength and conditioning coach. I don't know what he's doing or a program. I don't know what he's doing right now, but I hope the phone call is made or was made to see if he would be interested in maybe a, a, I don't know, strength, conditioning assistant, maybe, maybe even something a little bit more uh, quote unquote, prestigious um of a position on staff i, I would love to I see like him back idea. here I-, I would love to see him back here and uh, go ahead jerry
3: well i i did my research on uh on connor and, and he's been around some some pretty th- from some pretty decent staffs um coaching under mark hockey here at louisiana coaching under tommy Moffat at lsu um those are some pretty solid staffs. And he was also a former player at LSU. And I think he played for the Tennessee Titans for a year or two um, as a fullback. So uh, once again, another former player, another you know, SEC player, former guy in the NFL, coached in the SEC under, look, we, we, we dog LSU, but Tommy Moffitt is one of the best out there. I know there's a lot of fans upset that Brian Kelly did not retain him. And there were some Cajun fans even wondering, bring him minute. here. <laughs> I thought
1: for a minute we should bring him here, yeah.
3: Yeah, bring Tommy Moffat here. And so when you learn from guys like that, you learn from guys like Mark Hockey, who is now at Florida, you're, you're going to have a wealth of knowledge to bring when it's your turn. And, you know, he's still young. He's 30 years old. He's, I would assume he's a player's coach, like you said, Josh. He must have the relationships. And this is possibly the most important hire in the entire staff due to the fact that, you know, one thing – That's been our strength for the past four or five years is, is or four years is the strength and conditioning side of our team. Um, We're a strong team. We play to the final whistle in the fourth quarter. We have the endurance. We're well conditioned as a whole. And so this is a very important hire. And I think for a guy like Connor, who has coached under Tommy Moffin and has coached under Mark Hockey, that's going to help us. And And he understands the culture he's been here. So, um,
1: you know, the other thing is, you know, you, you talked about, you talked about Connor being, being young. Uh, one way that that helps a lot is that he can relate. Absolutely. He, he can relate to these Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. Because it wasn't that long ago that he was in their position.
3: Look, man, I'm I'm 32 years old. I'll be 33, you know, next week. And and even for me, it seems like just yesterday I was in college. Right. And, and when I talk, you know, I, and I'm using this as a personal example, Josh, maybe you too. Like, I still have a hard time with people calling me mister, especially when it's a college athlete or even a high school athlete that when I used to cover – high school football years ago, being called sir and things like that, because it seems like just, it, it, it doesn't seem so long yeah. ago
1: Yeah, for sure. that I
3: was in college and I was, you know, hanging out with friends who are no, also no, peers of no, mine who are college players.
2: I, I like it. I, in fact, I want you, I want you both to start calling me, Mr. The, uh, Mr. 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 about town, Mr. Yes. Mr. Yeah. Josh,
1: Mr.
3: Yeah, Josh. Yeah, no, I like but, it, but no, yeah. but it goes a long way. It goes a but, long way with but, something like that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they're struggling with, with their schoolwork or, you know, they're struggling with, you know, something personal life. Yeah. Just just life in general. Life in general. He, he, he yeah. relates. He sure. he can offer them advice. He can offer them, you know. So I think that's huge. Um, I think I think that's huge to the mindset of a college athlete. Um, Matt, you
2: nailed it. that's the word I was trying to come up with when my brain wasn't working at the time. He's relatable. You know, they had a story about PT on a recruiting trip. He stayed up into the wee hours playing a uh, PS five with some recruit, you know, a, a guy that's been on the recruiting trail has, you know, he has inroads and he's got relationships and that's very important too. Don't get me wrong. But when you have a guy that can relate, like you said, maybe, maybe it's a little bit different. He stays up and play. I mean, they ended up Florida ended up getting the recruit. So obviously it worked. So that's just a small anecdotal story, but I think increasingly you have to be able to relate to these players, especially in this new age of college football.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that's the majority of our staff are all younger people right. for that reason. When you go recruit and, and you can talk about, I think, I forgot who it was. I think it might've been either Lamar Morgan, or maybe Mike. Some, one of the, one of the coaches said, when you go recruit, you have to know about the music. You have to know about what's going on in the world at, 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 for someone that age what's the who's the popular stars out there the popular movies and the, the 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 trends the styles as a coach you know that and you can relate to the player and you start talking about that with small talk that like you said about PT playing playstation that goes a long way a very long way you know if if you have a player you're going to recruit listening to a type of music and you listen to that artist too guess what that's a connection that's made. Nope. That otherwise, you know, it's a lot easier to sell the program because, hey, you know what? You already have something in common. It's like a dating game, right? You know, the more you have in common, the more you click. Same thing in recruiting. So I think that's a huge advantage. And and really something that's not talked about that much when it comes to coaching hires is how much can the player rec- or how much can the player relate to the coach, but not just as a quote unquote player coach, but as someone who can relate to the generation itself. It goes a very long way.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So Connor neighbors could be a big name to look out for, um, for Mike does coaching staff. Last guy I want to talk about guy by the name of Kevin Norwood, uh, spent some time playing wide receiver at Alabama was drafted in the fourth round of the 2014 NFL draft, uh, spent some time playing for the Seahawks and now he wants to get into coaching. And his first stop would be at Louisiana if the rumors are true and he does become our wide receivers coach. Um, Jerry, tell me a little bit about Kevin Norwood.
3: Well, he's from Biloxi, Mississippi. So he's from the South. He's from this area. Um, Geographically, he knows the landscape well when it comes to the type of talent that's around here. So I think recruiting wise, that's a huge advantage. Uh, Played at Alabama, played under Nick Saban, won three national titles. He's got three national championship rings. As a wide receiver, I remember actually watching him play back in the day when he played for Alabama, played under guys like AJ McCarron. Remember John Parker Wilson, not John Parker Wilson, um, um, Greg McElroy throwing some touchdown passes to him. Right. Uh, But look, guess what? It goes back to what we just talked about when it comes to relatable um, being a relatable coach. You go into a, a recruit, a recruits house and tell him I played for the University of Alabama. I've got three national championship rings. I played under Nick Saban. I played in the NFL. I caught passes from Russell Wilson and wide receiver. hears that they're, they're going to want to know more. Right. And I think that's a huge advantage he has. I think the experience as a coach. Yeah. There's a little bit of a question mark there because this would be his first gig as a solid position coach, but his background and his experience as a player and, and, and someone who's won some pretty high you know, rewards like a national championship or three in his regard or in his manner is, is huge. Um, that's one way you, you lure players in with that type of background. And uh, I have no doubt when you've played under guys like Nick Saban and you've played in the NFL, I'm sure the, the coaching side of, of, of coaching a receiver or whatever position he wants to coach on the offensive side of the ball, I'm sure that's going to be pretty easy for him to grasp. I also think it's going to be easy for him considering the fact that he has been an analyst here. So he knows how the system works already. Once again, another coach that's familiar with the culture. And so I'm willing to see what he can do. I think the big question is um, based on his background, can he lure players here? I think he can, because I think he's one of those coaches that's going to be, you know, obviously he's going to coach a position, but I think someone like him with his background and his playing days he's going to be big on recruiting. I think he's going to be a huge, huge factor in in our recruiting efforts, especially in this area, being from Biloxi, being from the South, recruiting places like the Mississippi Gulf Coast and the North Shore, as well as the South Shore of New Orleans and the, you know, this whole entire area geographically. And that's one thing I wanted to say about our entire coaching staff. If you notice, they all have something in common. They've coached here. What does that mean? Well, guess what? they know how to recruit here. They know how to recruit Louisiana. They know how to recruit the East Texas area and Arkansas and Mississippi. So this isn't, this is geographically from a, from a standpoint of where to recruit from this entire coaching staff, I think all have something in common and that, and it's that they know this area well. So for all the fans out there who are like, man, we got to recruit Louisiana. I think Mike's putting a good staff to be able to fulfill that, that wish.
2: Exactly. He's here to recruit. I mean, look, nobody's going to say Jabar jaluk is an elite running back technique coach. That's not why he was here. He was here to get players into the program and develop those players. Norwood is exactly the same. He's here to recruit. That's what we need. OK, so I think he's a he's a perfect replacement for Jabbar jaluk I like that he's young. I like that he again played in the NFL. He can relate to players. He's got three national championship rings that goes a long way. If anybody knows anything about the recruiting game, you walk in there with national championship rings, you got somebody's attention. So I, I think that he'll be fine. I think I've got nothing but um, uh, confidence in coach Norwood. And again, Jerry nailed it. He's already been here. He he already has an idea of how we want to do things. Um, We'll see. Obviously this is a a big promotion. You go from in the booth to coming down and being on the field and everything. That's, that's a, that's a pretty big move and good for him. I think that the right time uh, is here for him. So Uh, He'll be fine. He'll be fine.
1: Let's talk hardwood.
2: Hang on. Hang on. I got one last, one last thing. Oh yeah. Supposedly. Okay. This is, this is a, this is a rumor thing and I've kind of been able to source it a little bit. So there's definitely legs to it. Coach Matt Bergeron might be coming back to Louisiana for an on field position. He was an analyst. He's been with uh, Billy for man. I don't since Arizona state, I think, I think he picked him up in Arizona state. Maybe Jerry can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but he's, he's been uh, very loyal to Billy for a long time. So, uh, he did go and, and, uh, you know, initially he was one of the 7 million staff members that Billy took, but as of, I think the 29th, he is rumored to be headed back to Lafayette for an on-field position. Um, I don't know, Read that read into that as much as you want. I think that it would be a good move for his career uh, it's also been rumored that Billy is kind of pushing for him to get the job back at Louisiana. So I don't know, maybe it's a way to make amends with Mike who knows what it, would it all, you know, so many things are up in the air and so many things have developed over the last week. You never really know things sure will shake out it. and we'll find out and we'll find out, but Matt Bergeron was highly coveted by Billy um, and would be an asset to, to have back yep. here. So hopefully that works out and that would help a lot with the cohesiveness of our staff. All right, let's talk hardwood
1: now. Um, I don't know about you guys, but here's my thought process on our men's basketball program. Brock Morris needs to be our head coach. Because not only did the two games that Brock coached this past weekend result in 2-0 to open up the Sunbelt Conference. They were both hard-fought good performances. I mean that Thursday night against App State, you just absolutely dominated them. What was it? 43 to 19 at the half? Like are you kidding me? This App State won the conference last year. They played in the dance. And you go to their place and do that. Absolutely unreal. I mean Jordan Brown 16 points, Theo Akuba coming in with 13 and 11. Um, as a team, shot right under 50%, 42% from the three-point line, made 75% of our free throws, out-rebounded them, had more assists, had two more turnovers, but, you know, at one point, the largest lead, like I said, was
3: 43-19 to at the half. How do you argue with those numbers? I just think something's off here. I think something's off here. Because, remember, it's hard to win on the road in the Sunbelt Conference, Remember? Isn't that what we were told? I mean, I think we were told that, right? It's hard to win on the road in the Sunbelt Conference. So I think something's off here. Um, actually, I, I say I say that jokingly. I'm I'm totally kidding because we've been we've been told that it's so hard to win on the road in the Sunbelt. Well, guess what? We did that pretty we, we did that pretty handily on Thursday night against the defending conference champions. And then we took care of business against, well, I mean, we won a close one, but we still took care of business against the Coastal Carolina team that beat South Carolina by almost 30 points uh, just uh, earlier in the season. So obviously we're doing something right. Obviously we did something right this weekend. I think players getting a little more healthy helped a lot. But then Thursday, well, no, I take that back. They're healthy, but Thursday they had half the team on COVID protocol.
2: So Half the team was not available
3: to play. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, half the team was on COVID protocol. We won
2: on the road against two teams that are supposed to finish at the top of the league with half the roster.
3: Well, tip, tip my hat off to, to Coach Brock Morris to go on the road like that in that situation. Go not only two for two because look, for those listening on our Twitter space the other day, both Matt and I had no confidence. In no, Matt, I thought Matt we, were I gonna we were going
1: to go to I thought we were going to go to the Carolinas and get spanked.
3: I said we would be lucky to win one of two. I'd be happy with one of two. Well, we went two for two, and oh, just a little fun fact by the way. Even though it's hard to win, apparently it's hard to win on the road in the Sun Belt. Brock Morris, as an in interim, is now four and zero. And all four of his wins are guess what? On all the, the road. road in conference. So Brock Morris for well head done. coach, baby. Look, job well done to Coach Morris. I'm uh, very happy for him and what he was able to do. Uh it looked like he was able to make some really solid in-game adjustments in both games. And I thought actually in the second game, Coastal look, Coastal could have pulled away a few times in the second half and for and, sure. and Brock was able to adjust to it. So it was so, a, it was, no, I took it was hat
1: off. It was good basketball. Yeah. Is what it, it, it was, was very
3: it was cohesive basketball. So I tip my hat off to Coach Morris. I tip my hat off to this team with the, the uh, the how they with the limits that they had with the COVID protocols. They got the job done. Went two for two. So let's keep it going Thursday night against Arkansas State.
1: You know, I I, I watched. I, I didn't get to watch the app game. I was I was driving, but I listened to most of it, and then I watched the game against Coastal. And what what I saw what was different was. We, we looked like we had an identity. You know, w- watching, you know, you you actually had an offense that you ran. You had defensive stability. The defense played well. And the biggest thing is we took care of the basketball. I mean, yeah, we had 19 turnovers against that. But also, turnovers are part of basketball. And every time you get called for a travel, it's a turnover. You know, you, you get a pass deflected; it's a turnover, or, or you know, whatever. Um, you know, I think charges are considered a turnover. You called for a charge as a turnover, so I mean, you're gonna you're gonna turn the ball over. It, it obviously the the goal is is to stay under ten, but when you're when you're a fast paced team like the Cajuns, it's hard to not turn the ball over fifteen to twenty times a game. Um, so they took care of the basketball. I, I thought that. We had an identity. I thought we shot the ball well in both games. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm sitting here saying Brock Moore's for head coach because, I mean, that's how I feel. I want him to be the head coach. But at the same time, I don't have anything against Bob. Bob's a good guy. Bob's a good coach. It's, I've, I've and I've told Jer- Jerry, I've told you this numerous times. It's like Les Miles at LSU. There comes a point where you got to look the guy in the eye and say, thank you for what you've done here. But it's time for us to make a change. That That's just the way I, I view it. it. It's just time for something different. Because, yeah, we've had some success under Bob, but as a whole, it, it just it not working out anymore. Matt, are you
2: going to answer your Twitter haters? Am I going to answer my Twitter haters? I have Twitter haters? Yeah, one of... Uh, I think it was... Two episodes ago you said we we're gonna start conference play 0, and, 0 for two.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yes. I'll I'll eat my crow.
2: Um, so the Twitter haters. But, are, but, let, uh, but let's you let's out be there. let's be honest.
1: Let's be honest. The way we played in non conference, and then you walk into conference, head coach tested positive for COVID, and half your roster tested positive for COVID. Let's be totally honest. Did I have a reason to feel confident?
2: Well, did I? I, I, I mean, I in, did not. in the haters in the haters defense that happened after you made the comment, come on, let's be honest.
1: Okay. Again, I'll eat my crow. I was wrong. I should give them more credit. That's why I think we're going to smash Arkansas State tomorrow night at
2: home. All right, Twitter haters, you you win. You you've been uh, And when, and, when we, and when we lose by 30, I'll get hate again.
3: Well, yeah. look. Th- th- to answer your question <laughs> about about Coach Marlin tomorrow night, I mean, he should be back, right? I'm assuming he's going to be back. I haven't heard Arkansas that. I, heard,
1: I haven't heard that he won't be.
3: Okay, so, so we'll get out. We'll look, we'll find out a lot about tomorrow night. You know, you won two really tough games on the road with a limited roster or depleted roster, and now you're coming back home against a pretty decent Arkansas State team. But it's at home, and you you get your team back for the most part. You get your coach back. We, I would think by default, we should win. We should win tomorrow. We should win Saturday. We're going to find out. We're going to find out soon enough uh, where we stand uh, after tomorrow night. We're going to see.
2: Well, hold, hold on. I want to say this. I don't think it's fair to expect to win just because of uh, past results. So I'll say that based on the past results and the fact that we're at home and we have our full roster, we should have the advantage, and we're playing uh, what we perceive to be a worse team. So I think that the advantage lies with the Cajuns. I think that's fair to say, right? Um, I mean, what what do you mean by perceived to be a worse team? I, I mean, we got we lost to Jackson State. Arkansas State's ten and three. Oh, so we don't perceive. Well, well, Jerry's saying that we should win these games, and I'm just trying to say that. Uh, I don't according, want to make any predictions based on what Brock was able to do. According, according to the
1: BPI, according, actually, hold on. According to ESPN's matchup predictor, we have a 75% chance of winning tomorrow night.
2: So, so Jerry, so basically what we're saying is correct. We we feel like we have the advantage in the game and we should win the game. I'm just trying to set up a plan. yeah. Based on, look, based, based on the on
3: circumstances, look, based on the circumstances, we went on the road to the Carolinas, right? We're all, we've always been, you know, preach to about how hard it is to win in the Sunbelt on the road, went with a depleted roster, an interim head coach, and went two for two. One of those games was against the defending Sunbelt champions, and you beat them by double digits with ease. And you beat a Coastal Carolina team that beat South Carolina and SEC, a pretty respectable SEC program by, what, 25, 30 points? On the road. You did it on the road with a depleted roster and an interim coach.
1: And by the way, shout to out me, to shout out to Conway High School for giving us a, a place to play.
3: Yeah, I know that gym gymnasium over there. Um, But with that said, look, I understand Arkansas State. Look, they're good. I think they beat Air Force pretty handily a few weeks ago. They did. They're good. But if we can go do what we did on the road, going two for two, then there's no reason why, with a pretty much most of our guys back from COVID protocol and our head coach back, playing at home, we should have we should not have too much of a problem. We have uh, the advantage. uh, taking care of business and and you know because i i don't one thing about basketball is sometimes we already set excuses up before the game starts this is why we lose this is we lose oh well this is this is why this happened no we're not setting up excuses no we're not doing that today yes all right you won on the road with a depleted team and for the third time a depleted team and an interim coach you beat two quality teams so coming back home by default like you said, Josh, we have an advantage. Regardless of what Arkansas State has done, we right. have the advantage.
2: So, so Jerry sniffed me out. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to make sure there are no reasons to have excuses or this, that, or the other. We are going to be at full strength in our own building against a team that we think—I don't care what the what the numbers say—we we we perceive Arkansas State to not be as talented as we are. If you look at the oh, roster on paper, oh, don't don't worry. And and, and, and so I just wanted to say that. And then, look, I'm not going to pretend like I watched the games cause I didn't, I didn't watch Brock win those games. But if you look at the stats and you look at the situational uh, challenges that were pre- presented and we overcame them, I would still say as a lay fan or somebody just, you know, a conscientious observer, we should win the game. We should win the game based on the circumstance.
1: I'm just saying something's going to happen between now and tip off in 36 hours to where actually less than 36 hours, like 30 hours um, where we're not going to have a full roster. It's just, it's bound to happen. An excuse is going to be handed on a silver platter.
2: Well, we're one and know without our full roster. So there you go.
1: Um transitioning to the women's side of the hardwood they'll be on the road this weekend in the arkansas uh, arkansas state tomorrow arkansas little rock on saturday the girls are off to a 9 and 3 start on the year uh, they opened conference with a split uh, they lost a close one at home to ut arlington 62 to 60 and then got a win over texas state on new year's day 78 to 72
3: um so like i said now well, they will good tomorrow's game is canceled due to covid for women's against uh, women's basketball against Arkansas State, they actually canceled the game. Uh, your source because your source. of uh, KSLA, uh, I believe it was it was another um, KTC that. KTC okay, women's so. basketball game at Arkansas State due to canceled okay. due to COVID nineteen concerns. Yeah,
1: interesting. Wow! And breaking news, Jerry A. Bear.
3: Good and also I want to say, yeah, both of them, both, both games, Little Rock and uh, Arkansas state for women's basketball. So, so then, they get the
1: weekend off. So then the, the COVID concern has to be within the Louisiana program. Not.
3: I, I think so.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if both games are canceled, it would have to be within our program.
3: Yeah. Um, well, most likely. Okay. Um, Interesting.
1: Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, not, not the best of circumstances, but a weekend of rest might not, a. Uh, Might not hurt. Um, Interesting development in one of the Cajun football players that have transferred. Um, Osiris Torrance has been offered a spot on the roster by Michigan State, as Hmm. well as Clemson, Ole Miss, and Auburn. So interesting development there to look out for.
2: Um, if he ob- ends up anywhere other than Gainesville, I'll be shocked. Obviously,
1: that's the story that he's going to Gainesville um, as well as Makai Garner, although there's some rumors that Makai Garner might be going to LSU. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't like to, to dive into that too much, um, but it's definitely something to look out for. Uh, Montrell Johnson transferring out of the program as well. Uh, that decision, I, wholeheartedly disagree with. Um, I think, I think personally, that's a, that's a bad move for his career. Um, I mean, when you're the freshman of the year and you run for 800 yards in a three back backfield, my guess is that you would want to stay there and wind up in the NFL.
2: That's not a program that's put backs in the NFL for the last five years. So
1: that's, that's what I'm getting at. Like you say, he's going to a bigger school to increase his chances of going to the NFL. Why can't he get to the NFL here? Raymond Calais, Trey Regis, Elijah Mitchell, Elijah McGuire. Need I say more? Zo so Harris, yeah. Uh, Trey Regis.
2: continue, continue. I mean,
1: say Tyrell Fenroy went to the pros because I mean he kind of did. So I mean, we we put backs and Brian. I mean Brian Mitchell ended up playing. Was it was he a running back in the league?
3: He, he, he was a return specialist. specialist like, one of the greatest I mean, yeah. of all time. I mean, one okay, of the greatest so, of all time.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll call him a running guy. I mean, he was a quarterback at UL, but I mean, regardless, um, we have a history of putting these types of guys in the league. And so, yeah, that, that argument is invalid to me. And I think if he goes to somewhere like Florida with the talent that they already have at running back and then adding in Trevor Etienne, I don't know how much Montreal is going to play.
3: Well, it's his decision. You know, it, 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 with all these players, it's their decision. And look, sometimes you, you live with your choices, regardless of what he ends up doing. He may end up being a, an all SEC back. We don't know. Um, all I know is he's in the transfer portal and there's a high possibility we're going to lose him. And But look, hey, next man up. We've got guys on our dev chart that are really good, that sat out last year, um, took their red shirt, and they're ready to go. So, you know, I'm not not going to cry over spilled milk. It's just one of those situations. You just got to have next man up and have faith that these guys can step up in his position and, and take the reins. And I think they will. I have a lot of faith in our running back core. That's one of our deepest, most talented uh, position um, positions on our football team. Yeah,
1: no doubt about it. Um, Jerry a bear. Hey, you know what time it is? What time is it?
0: The floor is
3: yours, sir. Man, I, what? Another year gone. A year which we saw competitiveness in all facets of raging Cajun athletics across the board. We saw wins. We saw a few heartbreaking losses. We saw conference championships. We saw postseason appearances. We saw stadiums at full capacity once again. We saw the return of tailgating. We saw coaches leave. We saw coaches come in and teach our student athletes, not only about their respected game, but about life. All in all, 2021 will be remembered as the year of a return to a familiar sense of normalcy, where Cajun Nation could meet once again, like before the challenges of 2020. We got to see our teams compete with the best of them from men's and women's basketball, to baseball, softball, to track and field, to tennis, to golf, to women's soccer, to volleyball, to cross country, and of course, to football. Each sport consisting of wearing that uniform representing our university and the Raging Cajun brand. We got to see the growth of our university through the generosity of supporters, through donations to the multiple capital campaigns and projects announced throughout 2021. And we got to see our university reach the highest level of research institutions by becoming a Carnegie R1, only one of 137 universities in the nation to have this designation, an accomplishment we can all be proud of. One other memory of 2021 was the growth of us, Rage and Review. Matt, Josh, and I have had the pleasure to have many great guests on our podcast. We had the chance to befriend fans from many different schools from around the country. We had the chance to entertain a few of them here in Lafayette, showing them the true hospitality of the South Louisiana Cajun culture. And for that, we are grateful. But Raging Review is just that. It's bigger than just three guys. It's bigger than just a particular game, a particular fan, or a particular coach. It's the Raging Cajun culture. We wear it on our sleeve every day because it's a way of life. It's in our blood. It's who we are. Now, 2022 comes with a plethora of expectations. We hope to see more success both on and off the field. We hope to see more championships and postseason appearances. We hope to see the brand continue to grow on a national stage. And here at Rage and Review, we will continue to do our part to push the brand across the land. Here's to a new year and new memories, Cajun Nation. Hope you're ready, because we are. May I tell you what?
1: Great work, as usual, from the man, Jerry Hebert. Uh Before we go, real quick, um, we, we, we kind of run out of time to fully dive into it. Um, so next week, we'll bring you a, a full preview of baseball and softball. Uh, but real quick, we'll just touch on some some key names on the roster uh, for both teams. Uh, we get Bobby Leday back, which is big. Uh, David Christie and Julian Brock as well. Um, Hayden Dirk, Jonathan Brandon, Jacob Schultz. Brandon Talley, Carson Rockefeller, Connor Kemple, Tyler Robertson. Uh, Kyle DeBarge is a freshman from Barb that people are, are really excited about with good reason. Uh, he was one of the top catchers in the state of Louisiana this past year. Austin Perrin is another kid that returns. Um, Blake Marshall is another name. Chipper Menard, CJ Willis. So there's definitely some experience coming back. Peyton Havard. As well, um, the the big storyline coming from this program this offseason is the hiring of Seth Thibodeau from Nichols. Uh, he's going to be our pitching coach and associate head coach. Uh, I think that is a phenomenal move that Matt Deggs made. And, you know, a- again, we're not going to spend too much time on it because we're, we're slowly beginning to run out of time. But I think it's going to be a good year for baseball. I do. I think they've got some some good games on the schedule. Um, starting off with a bang uh, with UC Irvine coming to town, number fourteen team in the country. You go to the Round Rock Classic to play Stanford, Indiana, and Arkansas. Um, you got a game against LSU. You got a weekend series against Houston, and then in conference, you know you've got South Al coming to town. You got Southern coming to town. Um, ULM for a series, and then UTA comes in in May. And then you wrap it up with Nichols and Little Rock, so there's there's definitely some uh, some big names on the schedule before the Sunbelt Conference championships in Montgomery Memorial Day weekend, but uh, and then you know talking about softball, Raina O'Neill uh, she returns, Frankie Azard returns, Carly Heath, Taylor Roman, um, let's see go down the roster a little more, Sophie Piscos, Melissa Mayu, Vanessa Foreman. Jenna Keen and Kendra Lamb are your returning players from the roster. Uh, a name you might be familiar with is Maddie Hayden. Uh, she is a freshman and the little sister of Haley Hayden. Um, so, interesting development there for the softball program. And then, if you look at their roster, always open up with the Louisiana Classic uh, UAB, North Texas, Texas Southern, and Tulsa. And then you got Alabama coming to Lampson Park. You play LSU at Lamson Park. You play Tech at Lamson Park. Um, you got Texas coming for a doubleheader. UTA, Troy. Uh, you go on the road to play Illinois and Indiana. Houston Coastal. So again, both both rosters, both schedules looking promising for 2022. And you know, guys, quickly get your thoughts on you know both programs.
2: Uh, well, I'm excited to start talking about baseball. I mean, like you said, it's like six weeks away, so there's some information starting to come out of DEX's program, and we've got some, so we'll share with it, uh, share that with you guys. Uh, I guess next week or the week after that. But uh, some changes from the fall, some bats coming alive, uh, some some pitching starting to round out. We got some guys that left the program, some guys that came to the program. Uh, uh, some some names that you should be familiar familiar with. So we'll we'll get into that, and that's uh, yeah, gonna be fun.
3: Yeah, I look forward to both teams, uh, both baseball and softball, as usual making a run for a conference championship and a regional appearance. Um, I mean, softball is almost a given, right? I mean, that, the goal is to host. But for baseball, I'm looking for a big time improvement. Uh, I know we made some coaching staff changes. Of course, Seth Thibodeau coming in, huge huge pickup. Uh, we moved around some things with Coach Wells, and and, and I know Dags is. He seems very confident in his staff, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing what these some of these new guys coming in can do. I've heard that our hitting is pretty much back to the Degs level of expectation, which is awesome. Curious to see what our pitching is going to do this year, considering the fact that we we're pretty much replacing our entire weekend rotation for the most part, but I heard we got some pretty doggone strong arms coming in. So that's going to be awesome. And in softball, I'm expecting to see, you know, business as usual, you know, just dominate in the circle pitching wise. Of course, our, our good friend, Justin Robichaux coaching in the circle for softball. And of course, Jerry Glasgow with his hitting philosophy, we should be hitting bombs left and right out of lamps Park. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So, um, yeah, the diamond sports season is always fun here at Louisiana. One thing that we're privileged to have are good diamond sports in general. So while other schools are just kind of, uh, you know, riding off into the sunset of football season, we, we have something excited to, to look forward to and pay attention to in the spring. So looking forward to it, looking forward to talking about it with you guys and, uh, you know, that countdown is coming. So, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun looking forward to, uh, discussing the preview and what's expected for both sports.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. That's going to do it for this edition of Rage and Review. Uh, Matt, Jerry, and Josh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, like I said, 2022 is going to be a big year. Stay tuned next week for the baseball and softball previews starting to roll in. Um, we've got some guests lined up to uh, to help us break down both programs. So we'll have some fun with that. Like I said, a couple weeks away from the start of both seasons. So uh, be safe, be well, and as always...